Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. Hey, it's, uh, it's great to have you here. This is feeling more and more normal every week, seeing more faces roll in here, uh, both new and old faces, uh, uh, older faces, all right? Like, familiar, sorry. Uh, so good to see you, and uh, welcome to all those that are joining us online. Um, I'm Jeff, one of the pastors here, and just want to welcome you out. I want to tell you about a couple things. Um, you know, so growing up in church uh, in, in a more of a traditional setting, church kind of became all-consuming. Uh, there were so many services in my tradition in a week. It, like, you didn't have a life outside of church. You know, you basically came Sunday, and then you, Sunday morning, then you go Sunday night, there'd be a midweek thing, and then a Friday night thing. Like, I bet if they could have, they would have done it seven days a week. I mean, it was crazy. What ended up happening is your whole world revolved around the people inside the walls of the church. Friends Church many years ago moved away from that whole thing. Actually, when we started this thing, we we didn't adopt that system. We said we want to do one service, or at least series of services Sunday morning, but then we want to let people live their lives in their own worlds, in their own communities, and have relationships that aren't necessarily even connected to the church. They don't have to be. We want people to live beautiful lives regardless of the spiritual journeys of their neighbors, whatever, and, and amongst those people that may or may not believe the same way. But over the years, you know, you watch something happen. It seems like Sunday mornings, or at least Friends Church, can take on kind of a one-dimensional feel. It becomes a kind of an audience. You show up on a Sunday morning. You listen to a message. Hopefully the message resonated. Hopefully the music moved you in some way. Hopefully the experience on a Sunday morning left you going, that was an hour well spent. But then what? Now, for some, that's all they needed. They had full lives, and still do. And they go back into their world, determined to live brighter, more loving, more caring for their world, in their relationships, in their neighborhoods. And that's fine. In fact, I think most people leave this place wanting to do that. But there are many who have been displaced, They've moved into the city. Some have gone through a recent life change in all kinds of different ways and find themselves wishing after a Sunday was done that they, or even before they're walking in, that this felt more like home. They could look around and they could recognize some people. And maybe there were some people that would share similar interests and they could do a little life together with them outside of Sundays. We just come through the pandemic. We've been holed up. Most of us have lived in isolation for 18 months and longer. Some are still at home, unable to come and join us on Sunday. We have a lot of people that are craving community and connection. So we've determined that this next year, providing that things don't go crazy again with COVID, but we could build more of a small town feel to this community, that this could become more one-dimensional than just an audience on a Sunday for those who are looking for something more than that. So for that reason, we're launching a bunch of groups. There have been different community builders that have stepped out of the woodwork of our community saying, I would love to gather some people around this. And other people said, I'm about this. Would there be anyone out there, Jeff, that might be interested in this? I'm like, I don't know, but let's try. Let's just see. If you went to this website called, well, friendschurch.ca, our website, 
forward slash groups, you'll see a list of different groups that are getting ready to launch this fall. On that page, you'll find, oh, let's see here. So there's a gaming group that are starting up. There are a bunch of gamers. They're going to meet in a gaming uh, cafe, and they're going to mix it up, move it around. But people that are interested are just getting together and having fun. We've got um, a discussion group for women that is launching up. It's kind of a restart of what has happened in the past at First Circle Group. We got a Live Your Adventure, an outdoorsy adventure group that are just want to get out, have some fun, and have some great spiritual discussions in the journey. Uh, we have the single seniors group. We've got a Sunday discussion group that will happen in the library after the service. We have a waking up, a men's group that's focused on mindfulness more self-awareness. There's also a women's group that are going to be starting about that. All these different options. We also have volunteer groups. Um, these are like one-time groups or just throughout a season. We do a big Christmas hamper campaign in December. A lot of organization needed to pull that together. So we're looking for people who would be willing to apply their administrational power to that, meet some people along the way and get busy. We're, we're going to be entering into a casino kind of fundraiser thing. We need some help in that. We've got um, actually a River Parkway cleanup, River, River Pathway uh, cleanup that's happening on the 19th. Opportunities there to get involved. So I don't know what your speed is. I don't know how busy your life is. And I don't know how much you're wanting to connect with others within this community. But I can tell you this. If you're interested, we've got opportunities. You don't have to come here and feel like a stranger in the crowd. You don't have to feel like this is just a one-shot weekly gig. You just show up as an head in the seat and then walk out. It can be more than that. So if you want information, go to there and you can reach out to the group leaders that are on those particular groups. If you have questions, you can ask me and I'd be happy to help you. Last thing I'll mention is that we're kicking off our fall series. Um, that is like in two weeks. Can you believe that? Holy crap. This summer has flown by. Wow. Too much goodness. Anyways, it launches in two weeks. It's called Our Spiritual Journey Reimagined. Um, there's a very specific thing that we're trying to do here at Friends Church, and it is to grow you up on your journey so that you can live the most meaningful, impactful life in your world. We're going to take four weeks to explain how we think that can happen, break it down, so you can kind of have a roadmap for your own life. And you can see what's been going on, perhaps. The pattern you've been on. Because we've all been on, uh, though our journeys are all unique, we've all been on a journey that takes on certain chapters. You will see your life in these chapters. And I think it will be exciting when you see already the growth you've been on and uh, the direction you're headed. So four weeks, that starts in two weeks, our spiritual journey reimagined. Alita. Hi there, Friends Church. Um, my name is Alita, if you haven't met me before. Um, I've been coming to Friends Church for about 15 years now, and um, my family really believes in Friends Church. It's been a beautiful place for us to grow on our spiritual journeys, and we contribute to Friends Church financially because we really stand behind um, what Friends Church stands for, which is not just talking about making a difference, but taking action and really stepping up behind those words. And so if you haven't contributed financially, I'd encourage you to do so. If you're new here, then welcome. But if this is your home, then I encourage you to look at different ways you can contribute financially to 
to support this incredible place. There's the black box at the back of the auditorium. There's also friendschurch.ca, our website, and you can click the donate on there, and there's also the app on your phone, which always gives me that lovely reminder that this is my spiritual gym. This is where I stretch and grow and work out, and... um, sometimes uncomfortable, beautiful pushes um, to make the world a better place. And so I encourage you to do the um, financial giving, and if you can, set up um, the weekly donation, and that way you don't even have to think about it. You don't go away after um, the message here and say, oh, I forgot about that. I meant to do that this week. Oh, I haven't done it for a couple weeks now. So if you just set that up, um, then it's great because it's just weekly and it's a a great way to give back. Um, Also an announcement, we have um, coming back together. This is my first time back here um, for over a year now since COVID. I was watching live stream. And so I'm really excited. There's a community luncheon coming up on September 12th. And it's a fantastic opportunity to meet folks, to reconnect with people you haven't seen for a long time. It's going to be a barbecue. There's going to be kids' activities outside. And it's just going to be a fantastic um, way to come together and to build that community again, to meet different folks, see who's here, and connect. And so I hope to see you at that. It's a really, really great time. Okay? Thanks, Alita. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. My name is Vince, if you've never met me. Um, I'm also an avid dirt biker. So that's what I was doing yesterday. And I had this kind of weird moment where, you know, really, if you all started dirt biking with me, we could solve our spiritual journeys together. Because everything you need to know about your spirituality is found in dirt biking. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) We're going up a hill. Four of us, one guy I've never ridden with. And I get to the top of the hill, and I can hear the new guy behind me. And you can hear the motorbike going. Or I can hear the motor going on his motorbike, but I can also hear he's not moving. Then I hear a lot of swearing. Then I hear the motor revving really loud again, and then swearing. He gets to the top finally. You know, I've been up there for 10 minutes having a sandwich, chilling. I sound like a horrible person, I didn't go and help, right? There was someone else helping him. (laughs) He gets to the top and he just goes, I'm out. I'm riding like crap. I can't figure anything out today, nothing's working. I'm out. Now, we're an hour from out. So he's going to spend the next hour beating his body against whatever. But he didn't die, so that's a, good, you know, that's a check mark in the good column, right? We finally get him out, get him onto the road. He heads back to his car, and I thought, there's a moment in life where we see this kind of red flag. You know, he's going, there's a simple trail that I've ridden a hundred times, and today I just can't ride it. And he looks at that red flag and he's like, I'm done. And it made me start thinking, well, all this last month I've been thinking about this. What do we do with the red flags in our lives? Do we pay attention like him and go, okay, yeah, (laughs) today is not the day to be riding really fast with pointed branches pointing at me. You know, I'm going to kill myself or break myself. Or do we ignore it? 
personally, I've historically been an ignorer of red flags. Anyone else ignoring red flags? Your physical health, your mental health, your relational health, spiritual health, just ignore it, it'll go away, right? If you just wait long enough, everything will be solved. So I've told this story before, but I'm gonna share it a bit again. Um, so about 20 years ago-ish, I was sitting in a bar, ska concert going on, I'm this like emo kid with like big ass hair and like I'm sitting like this. That's my best flirting move right here. But the bartender starts like chatting me up. This lovely attractive young lady. I'm doing my best flirting again. Lo and behold, we strike up a conversation. Fast forward a year, we're getting married. Seems wonderful, right? We'd never lived in the same city before. She lived here in Calgary. I lived in Edmonton, and then I moved to Regina to go to school. The whole time we spent maybe a few weeks together. And then we're married. The first year of every marriage is supposed to be blissful, right? It's supposed to just be, you know, love and wonderful and no problems. Yeah, that wasn't what happened. We described that first year as hell. At what point do you think we should have started thinking about getting help? Like, at what point do you think the red flags are coming up and we're both seeing them going, wait, this is supposed to be the most romantic, most like, my brain's on drugs time of our relationship, and it's not going smooth. How often do we just ignore the red flags? Now, the red flags don't say the relationship's no good. No, that's what I'm getting at. The red flag says, I need some help. We need some help. It's not working. When do we pay attention to those red flags and when do we ignore them? That's what I want to talk about today. Now, before I do, as Kyla was singing, she said a line from a song. I'll see if I can get it here. We are how we treat each other when the day is done. Let me say that line again. We are how we treat each other when the day is done. I read a book called Man Uncivilized recently. Guy, his name's Taver, says this, hurt people hurt people. Think of that line. Hurt people hurt people. Today I'm gonna to talk about spirituality, but not in the spirituality where I put a Bible verse up on the screen or I say a Bible story or something like that. No, I'm gonna talk about something about everyday life about the red flags in our lives that are saying, hey, we need some help, something's not going well. And yet we ignore it. We rationalize why, no, 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 I just gotta push a little harder, no, 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 I'm just gonna ignore that, I'm just gonna hide that, I'm just gonna pretend that's not there. But hurt people hurt people. Friends of mine used to, <laughs> I would have said affectionately call me, but now I'm realizing they're stating a red flag. My nickname was Spock. 
You know Spock on Star Trek? No emotions. Anyone seeing a red flag? 20 years of Spock-like behavior? Do you think that maybe caused some problems in my relationship? Nah. And if I don't deal with it, if I don't see the red flag, my wife's going to pay for it, isn't she? So today I want you, as I, we're going to talk to our spiritual mentor today. He's going to be the other Vince. Today is Vince squared. Vince and Vince, dealing it. Um, he's going to be our spiritual mentor, but I want you to watch through this whole talk. Ask yourself, what's my red flags? And not the ones you pay attention to, not the ones where you go to the doctor and get help. No, no, the ones you're ignoring. So with that, big round of applause for Vince Fowler. How you doing, brother? I'm good. That's the truth. I'm going to get you to move your mic up a little bit. Got a little soggy there. There you I'm go. I'm good. That's nice. the truth. Nice. You see, look at Marco smiling in the back. They're sound men. Thank you, Marco. Thanks, Marco. <laughs> okay. It's going to become evident very quickly why I've asked Vince to speak about this topic, about red flags that we're ignoring. To get there, though, I want to introduce you a little bit to Vince. Vince is the other Vince, the better-looking Vince. Also, the Vince that joined the military at what age? 19. 19. 19. So, like, right out of high school, military? Uh, year, just a year after high school, okay. straight in. Yeah. And where were you deployed? Somalia. Africa. The Horn of Africa. Somalia. Yeah. So, what is it like to be deployed? Like, what were you doing there? Ultimately, there was a civil war. Uh, the guy who decided to be in charge was causing a lot of mayhem. The global population said, this can't continue. Someone's got to help. Everyone pointed to the United States to lead the way, and a bunch of other countries said, well, we'll help too. Canada was one of them, and so we went over there to basically stop a lot of um, absolute destruction by a man highly motivated to get his own way. Wow. Okay. So you're in Somalia. You're 19 years old or 20 at this point? Uh, by, by now, I just turned 23. 23. Okay. So you've been like in training, blah, blah, blah. Now you're in Somalia. Um, how did the deployment go? Was it well handled? Was it well logistically well executed? Oh, it was like, a, it was like the perfectly planned and executed holiday to Disneyland. It was awesome. <laughs> Nothing went wrong ever. <laughs> what did they send you? What was it they sent you? I can't remember what you told me. The uh, bug spray wasn't working or something? So, you know, there's four real key challenges. We... we we, Somalia is in Africa. Africa's got a lot of sun. It's a lot of hot. It's like a mile from the sun. And um, we went with some sunscreen. Okay. Not enough. Not and a- what we had was expired. Oh, good. Good. And uh, malaria in that country? Lots of malaria. So mosquito bites are bad. Mosquitoes. We didn't see a lot because we arrived in the hot season. Okay. Um, but we were to spray our uniforms down at this... Uh, death in a can okay. and don't wear your uniform for a day while it dries. Uh, later we found out years later that they should have been hung for about three days before we put them on. So okay. We wore them two days early. <laughs> okay. So but I didn't get malaria. Okay. And uh, <laughs> uh, we went without you know, we went without enough communication set radio sets. We went without maps. Uh, that's a whole other side conversation. We went okay, without we'll a re- we went without a redeployment date. In other words, we went there, but we had no idea when we were coming home. Wow. Okay. So, beautifully executed. Yay, Canada. Yay, Canada. And and an anti-malaria drug that causes crazy dreams. (laughs) Okay. Crazy dreams. (laughs) So, when I, like, you guys are out there, you're you're protecting, what was it, uh, an airfield or something? 
Uh, our deployment was uh, sent to a place called Belladwane, which is just just very really close to the Ethiopian border. Uh, okay. There's an airfield there, and the the risk was that this is how guns and drugs would be uh, flown into the country right. to give access to the to the bad guys. So, so we want to be in charge of airfields. You're close to like live ordinances. Is that the right word? Ordinances? Yes. Yeah, Somalia is sort of like an abused child in a way. Um, everyone's had their way with them. The Russians, the Italians uh, in history. So and in World War II, the Germans. Okay. So, so there's actually a lot of unexploded ordinance um, around in cer- certain parts of town where people just don't go except for us because no one told us. There's no signs. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of unexploded Russian unexploded ordinance. bomb here. Okay, yeah. 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 um, but you guys like literally had grenades in the area, like people throwing stuff, people shooting. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we're the uh, we got called the the biggest tribe, the tribe that doesn't sleep. Um, but they're when when you have an organized army and then you have everybody else, how they how they fight with you is they don't just show up in the street and you know swing sets three o'clock. Let's go. No, they're like. Oh, they're not looking. They will throw anything at us, a stick, a grenade. And these, are, by the way, these could be grenades. The Italian ones um, explode on, they're like a, a little pin. Like you bang that pin enough inside of it and it goes off. That's okay. one example. Uh, it's not like you pull a pin, count eight seconds, it goes. These other ones have a little uh, bearing inside. When, they, when there's enough pressure on the thing, then... The, so you have no idea how much it's been rattled. You know that thing that uh, Kyla, okay. Kayla's singing? You know, you guys got to hear this story. He told me this. I was repping this thing. They're doing this game. What was it you were like making? Who can make the most grenade-like sound? Yeah. So we're we're just we're sitting in in my section tent. There's about there's eight of us, and we're just kind of joking around about what a grenade sounds like. And one guy's like, a grenade sounds like kaboom. Another guy, goes, no, no, it's it's more like kachoo. And next guy goes, it's like this. And I said, no, no, guys, you're all wrong. It's more like. And just as soon as I put my hand out, a grenade went off. <laughs> so. So you stand to stand to you guys are in life threatening underprepared. I don't know where my map is. No one knows where we are. We're in the middle of nowhere. That's your life at this point. I knew I was in Africa. <laughs> help, help. I'm in Africa. I'm under this Come cloud shaped like a hot dog. <laughs> it's right there. No, no, the other cloud shaped like a hot dog. Okay. How long were you there for? Uh, just, just a little over six months. Six months. Okay positive time in your life like just before you like when you were in the moment not retrospectively but in the moment were you having fun was it was it scary was it what you always wanted to do there was certainly i mean overall the the deployment the best way to describe the deployment is it sucks okay because you're like i'm away from absolutely everything i know like and care about um but you have no, like, I believe we have no choice but to make the best of it. Okay, so, so you're there, it's crappy, you're yeah, doing the best you can. It is what it is. Okay. So, hey, we're not doing anything, let's have a game of crib, let's play the game of stretch, let's do this, let's do that. So, and, and there's, the darker the work, the darker the humor, so there's, we always find reasons so to you're, laugh, like, off gas. All your pressure. buddies are tight, you guys are close, Very okay. Tight. Let's take you home now. First job out of, after deployment, what did you do? Sold photocopiers. Actually, it was a server at a restaurant for two months, but ultimately okay. sold photocopiers. And then at some point, you worked at a school. Yes, Ed School for Athletes. Uh, started there in 2005, so just you know, nine years, uh, no, ten years after getting out. Okay. I need you to move your mic up once more. There we go. Okay, so I give you guys a whole lot of background. You're looking for his red flags, right? And you should be. 
At this point, though, um, I want to fast forward you to going to the Legion. You need to get some poppies for a friend. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's uh, 2018. I'm going to the Legion to get uh, poppies for... I have a cousin in Hong Kong, okay. and he's an expat, and he says, hey, you know, can you, you, know, can you, get, us, can you get us some poppies? Yeah, sure, no problem. So I phone around. I got to go to the Legion Command, just uh, just north of the city. Center. Just so you know, there's a Legion. You know, Legions. Everyone seen the Legion in the small town? There's a Legion Command. A, it's like the mothership of Legions. Southern Alberta, the command center is just Calgary. Just, yeah. Okay. So I go to the I go to the command, pick up these poppies. Okay. And while I'm just go to the front desk, hi, I'm Vince. I'm here for a bag of poppies. So she's here. They are, and there just happens to be this guy that walks up to the front desk and. I don't know, we exchanged names, and he said, my name's Sean, I do, and I said, Sean Wood, and he goes, yeah. I said, ah, I know you, sort of, like, we both know my platoon commander from Somalia, of all people, and okay. I know Cliff, and he goes, ah, oh, blah, 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 let's have a coffee, and uh, so we just, I had nothing to do, it was a Friday, I was like, yeah, that's cool. This is what Legion, you do at the Legion, right? Uh, well, the, the, it's more like, it's very office-y, it's not like there's a pub or anything, it's, okay. but we just, so I went into his office, and we just sat on and had just a very innocent conversation. Okay. Yeah. And then he invited you to go see the... Yeah, and out of the blue, he's like, so how would you like to, uh, you know, sit down with our team at the OSI clinic? Okay. And team is code for psychologist. OSI is operational stress injury. We'll get there in a second. So I'm like, basically he's saying, hey, do you want some free counseling? I, all I hear is, hey, you want some free psych to use with your clients? Because I'm like, yeah, uh, I, that'd be awesome. You guys don't know Vince is a coach, so he works with people? Free psychology. I see some psychologists in the room, like smiling, like. <laughs> what a great opportunity! You do not know what's going on here, buddy. Okay, so you sit down with the OSI clinic. They this is just give you leading the... up to Remembrance Day, so emotions are a little raw. Okay, so always Remembrance Day, like you're leading up. It's yeah, yeah. Remembrance Day is always has up to this point. Remembrance Day has always been really hard for me. Tell them why. Afghanistan alone, I lost four buddies. Um, other deployments, we've, I've lost buddies. Somalia, we lost a friend. Uh, we, domestic deployments, have, I've lost friends. What's, how long is your list right now, friends? Thirteen. Thirteen. So Remembrance Day is the, the week or the month that you think of those guys. Yeah, it's, it's very front and center. You know? It's kind of like an anniversary, but not for, Good not for celebration. And yeah, another trip around the sun, it's more like, hey, just remember, you know, this happened. Did you go through the list of names? Unconsciously, for sure. Yeah. There's certain times of year, certain things that will always trigger a memory, always. Okay. So, it's leading up to Remembrance Day, your heart's already soft, you're thinking about your 13 friends you've lost, OSI clinic, yeah. they give you the assessment. Tell me when they give you the report. So they give me the assessment, and, and, and I, you know, there's some tears and some feelings, and I think it makes sense because Remembrance Day coming, but I come back two weeks later, and they hand me a 17-page report. Okay. What's it say on it? What's the top line? First thing, post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic stress. And disorder. Wow, that's a, I have an issue with the word disorder. We'll park that there. Um, post-traumatic stress. Okay. So this is not like, you know, you're healthy, everything's fine. This is something significant's happened. Yeah, like... I'm broken. Someone thinks I'm broken. That's my narrative. And hey, where do they think it came from? Somalia. At, for sure at the moment in time, just based on my responses and you know, my, my physical behavior, Somalia. So Sean Wood, the guy who's like, hey, you want to have a coffee? Is literally lining you up. He's talking to you and he's going, okay, okay. Yeah. And he knows Cliff, and Cliff is, I think, in the program. Okay. Uh, so 
he's, I, I think in his head, he's comparing not just my notes, but Cliff's notes and a few others. So he's probably, you know, I guess he's seeing some trending okay. responses. Now tell me, let's go back to Somalia. We laugh, you know, who makes the best grenade sound and the grenade yeah. goes off. What does that do to a person to have grenades being thrown at them on the regular? It's, uh, have you ever Hold felt... Hold on a before you go, don't go into your brain. Tell us what it felt like in that moment. If it, it's, a, it's, a w, it's a WTF moment. Like, uh-huh. what the hell now? Uh, it's constant eggshells. Constant, high, like, what, what's next? When you said there, you went with no maps, I thought, oh, logistics. You know, great job, Canada. But really what it is is, I'm lost, we need help, and we can't even tell you where we are to come yeah. get us. Yeah. So we, you're on your own. You're on, we are on our own a lot. We have one radio set just for our eight group. And if that thing goes down, we are SOL until we figure things out. You don't know how long you're going to be there. People are throwing grenades at you. You can't get help. Fast forward back to the OSI clinic. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Did you see it at that point? Not yet. I still what, wasn't clicking. What did you see when you saw it? What was your first thought when you saw that? This is wrong. It's, um, it's uh, not accurate. You didn't ask me enough questions. I must have misrepresented. The big one is I must have, ris- I must have misrepresented my situation. I must have exaggerated something. I must Why? have... I didn't see combat. How could this be possible? My buddies went to Afghanistan and these other places, and, and I just, you know, I was walking around scared for six months, huh. you know? Um, so you didn't... I didn't believe it. I thought, I thought they were just trying to milk the Veterans Affairs program for another, for another person in, their, in the system just to make money. Okay. Fast forward a couple of weeks. When did it sink in that you were like, wait a second, there's a red flag here that other people are seeing. There's red flags that I'm not even seeing. When did that click? It was probably somewhere in January, February, the following, because I was in the program immediately. So they were like, we need to see you on the regular? Okay. Yeah. From that, from that diagnosis, I was in the program two weeks later, and I, and I was in there every single week. And okay. it was, like I said, probably somewhere in February when I started to realize, wow, this is real. This is actually, you know. What, when did that happen? What happened that you were like, wait, there's, there's something here? Um, I remember that conversation distinctly. My, my psychologist, her name is Beth, and she said, uh, I was checking in on her, because I'm a coach, right? Like, how, how are my team? How's my team? <laughs> and she goes, this isn't for me. This is for you. I'm fine. I have my own health care program behind me for me. This is actually for you. And until you realize that, and, then, and then next thing you know, the tears started to come. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a huge... Why? Just... I kept trying to pretend I was okay. So something inside you, you could feel it, but you kept trying to hide it. Yeah, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be perceived as weak. Even in treatment, the enti- that up until then, I was, you can't see me as weak. I'm the father of my household. I'm the head of the household. I have no one else to get help from. I cannot be weak. Right. And yet, parts of your life you could feel... When you look back, how was your life functioning like that? What parts of you were like, okay, no, there was, there was red flags going off that I was ignoring? Every plate in my life was spinning, and they were all falling. 
and nothing like my the way I parented, the way I was hus- you know doing my husband roles, uh, my work, everything was was falling apart, just little just cracking everywhere, and I was working overtime to kind of keep it all together, hide and, it. and and hide. Oh, the the hiding, oh. massive massive hiding. So you felt overwhelmed, hidden. You said at this point, sometimes you'd go into your office in the morning and just put a blanket and sleep behind your desk? I have a, at the time, I have an intermittent meditation practice, and um, I'd go down to my office so I wouldn't disturb anybody, and I would, I would just literally crawl up in the fetal position underneath my desk mm-hmm. and uh, listen to the, the music or, the, or the, the message. I'd pull a blanket over, I had this little mini travel pillow and I would just lay there mm-hmm. and and honestly could I stop the world from spinning right now could the world just pause for a second mm-hmm. so I didn't I could just stay here for a while mm-hmm. it could be like two it could be as long as two hours yeah. I feel like we can all feel those moments and, those- and scared Scared for the day to start. What was the line you sent me? You sent me a quote from um, the comedian. Robin Williams. Yeah, what was the quote? Robin Williams has been quoted saying, people don't fake depression, they fake being okay. Ah. And We live in this world where we try and pretend that none of the red flags are flapping. There's nothing we have to pay attention to that's okay, that you're sleeping two hours under your desk, or just in a fetal position trying to avoid everything. I, I was faking okay. All day. Um, So Beth sits down and says, this is for you. This is for you. I'm here to take care of you. Tears. It was so hard to believe, like I could hear the words, but to believe the words that this is for me, I've I've never felt this is for me, and and I don't know when. Um, Because ultimately life has never felt safe for me. Smalley didn't help, did it? No, and, and it compounded on... On, on other things previous to the military, and, yeah. and it just stacked on top of that. Uh, but I've, up until this moment, ultimately, I never felt safe, mm-hmm. ever. So constantly on guard. One of the things you said is you didn't feel safe feeling your anger. What, how did that express itself? Uh, my relationship with anger in the military is easy. Punch it or shoot it. <laughs> Right? Okay. Go to the range, shoot it, feel better. Go rugby. The, rugby, punch it. Hit it. that a few times. Hit it, tackle it, <laughs> you know, elbow it. What but, does it look like to parent if you're angry? Um, passive aggressive. What does very, that mean? very. It means the kids, my kids are 11 and, and 13. It means if they leave this cereal on the counter, yeah. where should it be? In the pantry, clearly. <laughs> Duh. And then not take any ownership for it. So like when everyone's gone, you knock oh, the yeah. cereal off? I'll just kick it over. Out of, so it's just your anger coming out in these weird, yeah. like... And then my wife will very likely blame the kids for it falling over. And, and then I feel guilty, immediate guilt. Yeah, um, um, yeah very, very passive-aggressive behaviors. Hiding, hiding my wife's keys because she doesn't put them in the same spot on the hook. <sighs> I'd find them all over the house, so I'd just hide them. She would leave her wedding ring all over the place, so I'd hide it. So really what that was is a red flag for you of going, when you're doing this kind of like 
stuff you're not even telling someone. You're kind of hiding. You're letting your anger out in these weird sideways. Yeah. That's a red flag. I had no ability to communicate through anger. I could, I could communicate through fun and happiness and excitement and joy, um, but frustration and anger, I was completely... I did not have the ability to speak coherently through those emotions. So Sean Wood says, hey, can I have a coffee? He's seen red flags all through you. Yeah. Beth sits you down. This is operational, say it again? Operational stress injury. So basically, these are people who work with veterans to say, what you went through changed your brain, and we need to help you. Yes. So she's really good at this. She's really good. And she can see red flags all over the place. Did you see red flags up until that point? Nope. No, I kept thinking it was bullshit. I kept thinking it was not true. You can say bullshit on stage. It's all. It was just. It was just not true. Like <laughs> my my identity as a veteran was so fractured. I did not believe I was a real veteran. I did not believe I was a deserved veteran. Why? Because I didn't see combat. So combat for you is like two groups of people shooting at each yes. other, not someone throwing a grenade at you. No, grenades. A grenade is just an inconvenience. Combat is. I'll throw one in right now. We'll just throw it into the crowd. As we, okay. Can you understand though? Combat is sustained fire back and forth. People, you know, trying to smoke each other out. Hey, what does a grenade sound like? <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. Uh, so let's fast forward to now. I'm going to wrap things up. What are your red flags now that you're starting to see? Avoidance um, is a is a, I'm very hyper hyper aware of any avoidance behaviors. So, like, give me an example. You're angry, and you try and just turn it off, or uh, no, things that just need to be addressed. Anything that needs to be addressed doesn't matter if it's mowing the lawn or having a tough conversation that would um, potentially create um, a discussion that could lead to some sort of anger emotion so if i'm avoiding so you're that, backing up anger for that much like i won't even have a discussion just in case we might get angry over there yeah because i want to be able to so I, I i think very proactively how do i have this discussion so it doesn't get to that point and if it does okay so i got it was a very bumpy ride so for you though red flag is avoidance avoidance what else passive aggressive obviously yep if i'm so being passive aggressive in the moment which still happens, but happens much, much less. I'm, okay. I, I would way rather suffer the discomfort of having a tough conversation than, the pa- than have to deal with the outcome or the impact of passive-aggressive behavior. So, uh, avoidance, passive-aggressive, do you numb? Yeah, there's some numbing every now and then. Um, if I catch myself you know, scrolling a social media platform too much, I, I'll, I, the immediate question is, what am I avoiding? Uh, what am I not squaring off with? What am I not facing? What am I not saying? Um, so, yeah. Up until this point, you know, the 17-page document comes across, post-traumatic stress disorder. You obviously, you know, up until this point, you were a hurt person. How yeah, did that I impact was, your family and your friends? My, my, both my wife and my kids, uh, my kids in, the, in a different way, but my wife has said, you know, um, her response was being on eggshells around me. Mm-hmm. What's safe for her? And, and uh, this expectate today, an, an, an event will happen, and it's, there's this memory for them like, uh-oh, here it comes. They'll look at dad and like, dad's okay. going to lose his stuff, and then it doesn't happen. And they're like, who are you and what have you done to my dad? You know, who are you and where's my husband? Like, I'm not, this new Vince, they're, they're still figuring that out. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, Does absolutely. that resonate? Absolutely. I was hurting 
lots of people around me, not just immediate family, friends. Um, I would sit there and vibrate in, a, in, this, in my king's group and, and someone would say something and in my mind it's like, I just want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> Repeatedly. Yeah. And so I had to withdraw from the group. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Violence was always my answer in the past. When you look at the crowd here and you see a bunch of perfectly well-adjusted people who yeah, probably well, have yeah. some red flags in their lives, is it worth the work? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Because um, that's why when you asked me, how are you? And I said, good. And that's the truth. Because in the past, it was a lie. Ah. So today, someone might ask. Um, it really is the truth. My life has literally never been better. I've, um, there's, we, there's a, I, the paradox of choice, step one is we always have choice. In my mind, we always have choice. And once we realize we have choice, then I realize choice is an illusion. If I want to get better... You're hearing him rationally go through all this? You can hear that? If I really want to get better, <laughs> then there is no choice but to lean into this. You did hard work, didn't you? That work with Beth was tough, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I have shares in Kleenex. <laughs> Probably some backlog of crying you had to do there, huh? It was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was harder than Somalia. It was harder than my, husband, son, my son's heart surgery. It was, harder than, um, it was harder than my first divorce, my second divorce. It was harder than so many things. It was harder than knee surgery. Worth it? Worth every, every tear. Can we give him a round of applause, everyone? Thanks, buddy. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. He had an entire organization designed to watch for the red flags of military service. OSI's job is to look at veterans and say, we already know where your red flags are. We want to know if you know where your red flags are. Wouldn't that be nice to have for our lives? How many of us are ignoring the red flags? I remember going to a counselor for the first time once. He said, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He's like, how are Mondays? I don't know if you know this, but when you preach on Sundays, we all look fine and dandy. Monday, we're all thinking about the stuff that I should have said that I didn't say. Ah, I can't believe I did that. He already knew what to look for. How are you on Mondays? Do you know your red flags? I was saying to my wife the other day, in summers I book myself crazy because we have a short summer and I want to get a lot done. So I'm running, dirt biking, mountain biking every freaking day probably. And I can start to feel my body breaking down. I can start seeing the red flags. The latest one is my appetite starting to go away. Am I paying attention to it? Yeah. Am I doing anything with it? Nope. First is to see the red flags. If you can't see your red flags, go get help. Somebody knows them. If you're a psychologist, find a psychologist who works for a psychologist. If you're a veteran, someone who works with veterans, someone who understands relationships, someone who understands sexuality, whatever your issue is, if you don't see your red flags, go talk to somebody. If you don't know to see, give me a shout. And here's the second piece. Once you see your red flags, 
Are you willing to do the work that they're pointing out? That's the tough one for me. But hurt people, hurt people. We're here to make the world a better place. And if we don't do this work, my fear is that we will hurt the people around us instead of love them. So my encouragement, our encouragement today, see the red flags and do something with them, get healthy. Let's be people who bring love into the world, not hurt. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Another round of applause for Vince. See you next week.